0: on this week's episode of ride the lightning the tesla unofficial podcast tesla's production and delivery numbers for q2 are in and a surge in june helped stabilize a tough quarter plus giga texas is already expanding a modified plaid model s zooms past 200 miles per hour elon musk wonders aloud about what tesla should build next and more What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for July 10th, 2022. It's episode 362. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. To my left, the snoozing Daisy the Boxer. And once again, another busy week of Tesla news. We've got the quarterly production and delivery numbers. I'll get to that in a moment. But first, a quick kind of mini news item. It's more, I mean, it is a utility, but for a lot of us like me, it was just for fun If you're curious what Tesla would value your car at on a trade-in, they've put that website back up. It was there for a while, then they took it down because the wait times for the cars were so long that you'd put in a number or you'd get a number and it just wouldn't be accurate anymore by the time your car was actually ready to be delivered and thus your old one was ready to be traded in. So you can now get an instant quote from Tesla on what they would value your car at on a trade-in. You can go to tesla.com slash trade-in. So of course I put mine in. I was curious. I've told you all, I paid 78, because, well, I got the FS, I got the $3,000 FSD add-on later. But I think, yeah, I think, so I think I paid seventy-seven uh, at purchase. Now I was lucky enough. I got $10,000 back. So the $7,500 federal tax credit and then the $2,500 California cash rebate. So I guess, you know, I netted out at about $70,000. So, okay. It's been four years and it's been 43,000 miles. We know how crazy the used car market is, particularly used EVs and used Teslas specifically. So I put mine in and my car, again, a 2018 Performance Model 3 that'll be celebrating its fourth birthday in just a couple weeks, 43,000 miles. It came in from Tesla with a trade-in estimate range of 47,300 to 52,900, which means I could probably do a decent bit better than that by selling it privately if I were in the market, especially since my car has been meticulously cared for by uh, Immaculate Reflections, a professional detailer. It's got head-to-toe paint protection film, the paint's all perfect, the car's in great shape, which those things I know Tesla doesn't really value or account for, those detailing services, which a private buyer might. So I would say that's holding pretty darn good value after four years. That is not bad. So again, if you're curious to... I mean, if you're actually looking for a trade-in value, by all means, go use that as, you know, as a one benchmark. You should, of course, check with all the other ones, Carvana and AutoTrader and all that stuff. But if you just want to, for fun, check and see what your car's value, what your car's trade-in value is from Tesla, check that out at tesla.com slash trade-in. Also, before I get going with the rest of the proper news this week, I hope all of you ludicrous tier backers and higher on my Patreon enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which was about my growing concern for the current state of Tesla service as the company continues to grow so incredibly quickly. And as a reminder, anytime any of you decide to join my Patreon at the ludicrous tier or higher, you will get access to all of those patreon bonus mini episodes so the lightning rounds i've been doing recently plus the other 70 something bonus mini episodes i'd done prior to switching the format up to this new lightning round thing so check it out if you're curious to learn more about my patreon it's patreon.com slash tesla podcast that is the primary way through which you can voluntarily choose to support the podcast if you like all right news wise this week Tesla has announced its Q2 vehicle production and delivery numbers. The the word straight from Tesla itself, in the second quarter, we produced over 258,000 vehicles, specifically 258,580, and delivered over 254,000, the exact number being 254,695, despite ongoing supply chain challenges and factory shutdowns beyond our control. June 2022 was the highest vehicle production month in Tesla's history. Tesla will post its financial results for the second quarter of 2022 after market close on Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. So that means in two episodes from right now, I will have my usual quarterly earnings call recap and analysis. I'll have You know, little sound bites, clips of all the quotes from Elon and the executive team. So look forward to that. Now, let's dive into these production and delivery numbers. As I told you last week, the context here for this figure of 258,000 vehicles produced, 254,000 delivered, the context is that the all-time quarterly production and delivery record was 308,000 cars produced, that happened in Q4 of 2021, and 310,000 cars delivered, that was the all-time record just one quarter ago in Q1 2022. Thus, Tesla was about 17% off of that this quarter, which is a lot. That is, there's no sugarcoating that, that's quite a lot. Now, for a bit of extra context... The last time that Tesla's vehicle production was that low, and I'm using air quotes here, was Q3 of 2021, so a little less than a year, when they delivered 241,300 cars. But it sounds like, from Tesla's brief statement there, that I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about on the earnings call coming up again in two weeks from now, uh, that Tesla was lagging even further behind that uh, pace before going into overdrive in June, the best month of production ever in June, to salvage the quarter as much as they possibly could. Now, in order for Tesla to have to have its highest vehicle production month ever, which by the way, they're going to keep setting that mark again and again and again pretty much every month, if uh, if not literally every single month for the next couple of years now, due to the continued ramping of Model Y production in Texas and Berlin. And then after that, piled on top will be the beginning of Cybertruck production as well. But anyway, in order to have June be their best production month ever, it means that Tesla China must have been pretty well, if not all the way back to its current full production capacity, because remember from last week's podcast, they're going to be doing some big upgrades there this quarter. So we must have had Fremont and and, uh, Shanghai running at full speed, and then Texas and Berlin meaningfully contributing as both of those facilities continue to ramp up as well. And as a result, all four of Tesla's factories contributing to set a record production month. Now, the lion's share of those cars, when you, when you just kind of pull back and think about it for a second, all right. All four factories kicking in here, making meanif- meaningful contribution to this all-time record month. That means the lion's share of those 254,000 cars produced for the quarter must have been Model Y. Like The balance must have been tilted even more, skewed much more in favor of the Y than it even usually is, since, as we know, the Y is the only vehicle that two of the, uh, excuse me, the Model 3 is only made in two of the four vehicles, <laughs> I can't talk today, the Model 3 is it's only made in two of the four plants, the Model Y is the only vehicle made in all four of Tesla's factories. Now, the split for the quarter, if you're curious, was just 16,411 Model S's and X's produced, that's combined S and X, and the combined figure for the three and Y was 242,169, or put another way, the split for Q2 was 6% S and X and 94% three and Y, again, I've said this before, but it's really too bad that we don't get an actual vehicle-by-vehicle vehicle breakdown of the production and deliveries because this, v- this quarter in particular, and really as I was saying there, many more quarters to come as well, I'll bet with the three and Y group, it had to be at least a 60-40 split favoring the Y over the three, maybe even closer to 70-30 just again, based on the sheer logistics of four factories making Model Y versus two factories making Model 3. And if you had to guess, by the way, how Wall Street reacted to this the next business day, well, you would probably guess, oh, okay, well, their quarter was down over the previous quarter, that you'd guess the stock price would have gone down too, especially because if you've been tracking this as long as I have, you have observed that, The stock price usually goes down the next day after Tesla earnings, no matter how good or how bad the results are. It just almost always seems to play out that way. But this time, somewhat surprisingly, it went up by $17.41 the next day and was up for the week as well, perhaps because Tesla maybe met or beat Most of the Wall Street forecasters production and delivery estimates also probably factoring in was that the entire market was up for this past week as well, which isn't necessarily a given. You know, they're not completely tied together what one does, the other does. But Tesla doesn't always follow the market or vice versa. But that could be the case here, given how, you know, weird and wobbly the stock market has been in recent months. Hey, speaking of production and Giga Texas that facility has filed a permit for a 500,000 square foot expansion. I saw the story on Tesla Roddy, who writes, the expansion, uh, it, it covers the expansion of Gigafactory Texas's General Assembly 2 and General Assembly 3 areas. Images retrieved by members of the Tesla community suggest that the expansion will be done at one end of the existing Giga Texas building. Now, Uh, Given that we can infer that there are three General Assembly areas based on the fact that Tesla's going to expand General Assembly 3, I think there are a couple of ways we could look at this. One is that the expanding GA2 will be for Model Y, and GA1 maybe gets converted to TeslaBot production down the road, with GA3 being for Cybertruck. However given that we don't yet know exactly where the Tesla bot will be manufactured because it could realistically be in three of the four current factories, I think. Only, I think, I think Fremont's the only one we can safely rule out since they just don't have any more room there. Uh, Nor, by the way, do we really have a firm idea just yet about when Tesla bot production will actually start. Hopefully, we are going to see a working prototype of Optimus at AI Day 2 coming up in September. But I suspect, my guess is that GA1 and GA2 are both for Model Y with the expanding GA3 being readied to accommodate big time Cybertruck production in 2023. On a related note, I wonder when we're gonna see Tesla's original plan for Giga Texas go into effect. And by that, what I mean is, If you'll recall, Tesla said that Texas was going to supply Model Ys for the eastern half of the U.S., and Fremont was going to supply Model Y for the western half of the U.S. We're not really seeing that as of yet, but Texas is still in the early stages of its production ramp, and so if that's still the plan, we can't and won't see that happen until Texas is producing all three versions of the model y which as far as we know they are not doing just yet i mean heck the standard range all-wheel drive model y which is the only model y 2.0 as of yet that still isn't even officially on sale on the tesla website you can get one but you have to order a long range and then hope that tesla emails you to offer you the opportunity to take delivery of an inventory standard range all-wheel drive Model Y 2.0 build out of Texas. But in any case, I do, I really love seeing these aggressive expansion efforts already underway at Giga Texas with the, they've just barely opened the doors and they've already got aggressive expansion plans. I love it. Hey, on a similar note, Teslarati also reports via the German publication RBB24, who I have cited on this podcast before, that Berlin will, like Giga Shanghai this quarter, coming up now, that uh, Berlin will also be shutting down for a bit in order to facilitate an increase in production capacity. The upgrades to Giga uh, Berlin's vehicle production lines would begin on July 11th. That's this week and last until July 22nd. During this time, production processes in the facility would reportedly be adjusted. Citing its own sources, the German publication noted that the production line upgrades and Giga Berlin's subsequent shutdown had been planned for a long time. The improvements to Giga Berlin are expected to boost the manufacturing plant's output, allowing Tesla to close in on its target production of 500,000 vehicles per year, for its Germany-based factory. Well, my big question for for Berlin now is when will they start building the Model Y 2.0? Just a week or two back, you may remember that I told you about the non-working test vehicles with the structural battery packs with fake cells in them that they did assemble there, but they probably won't start building them for real, I would suspect, until the 4680 battery production facility that's on-site, that's planned to be built on-site in Berlin, is completed and operational. And unfortunately, we haven't heard an update about that at all. Perhaps we will on the earnings call in a couple weeks from now. And in fact, on that note, for any of you shareholders who would like to submit questions for the earnings call via say.com, that might be a pretty good question to ask. And if someone else has already asked it, upvote it so that it's got a chance to make its way onto the call and be asked of Elon. That is assuming Elon shows up for this earnings call, which it's no guarantee. He hasn't said he isn't gonna show up, but he also said a while back that he wasn't gonna come to all of them anymore. So we'll see what happens with that in just a couple of weeks. Now, I've got a couple of my own questions that I want to try and get through when the say.com retail investor questions do go up. That would be uh, one of them, which is which is uh, what is the estimated completion date for Giga Berlin's on site 4680 battery production facility? And the other question I would like to ask would be something that I've asked aloud on a recent episode of this podcast. What is the current ETA for Autopilot Hardware 4? Will it still be debuting in the Cybertruck roughly a year from now, or will Hardware 4 debut in the rest of the fleet sooner than that? So I would love to hear an update on what's going on with Hardware 4. So again, if you like that question, either punch it in if you can beat me to it, or if you see it there already from me or somebody else, Upvote it if you want to see it asked on the call. Next up this week, as you all know, Tesla has long promised a software update for the Model S Plaid that will unlock a top speed of 200 miles per hour. Well, this past week, a modified Tesla Model S Plaid went beyond the Plaid With an astonishing 217 mile per hour run. One more time from Tesla Roddy, who notes as recently shared by Nginx CEO Guillaume Andre on his personal Facebook account, his company's Tesla Model S Plaid was able to achieve a speed of 217 miles per hour, aka 350 kilometers per hour, making it pretty much on par with members of the million dollar quote-unquote hypercar trinity like the mclaren p1 previous posts from the company mentioned to drive tesla canada that one of its modules was fitted onto the vehicle to unlock tesla's software limits in other words they basically jailbroke the car the feat was achieved at the trois rivières airport i'm probably mispronouncing that i've never took french so i apologize to my french and french canadian listeners but that's in quebec Uh, is where this this run took place. In fact, a short teaser video of the run was shared by the CEO and features the plaid accelerating straight down the airport's runway, sounding pretty darn cool, kind of like a plane, honestly, fittingly enough, on on a runway. Here is what it sounded like if you were standing on the side of the runway as this modified plaid zoomed by. Well, that's a lot quieter than any other car that's ever gone that fast. Maybe with one exception, that would be the Rimac Nevera. I looked it up, uh, and this modified Plaid's 217 miles per hour, that is the second fastest EV time I could find ever after the aforementioned Nevera's 258 miles per hour, although I could not find any confirmation that anyone has actually physically gone out and achieved that 258 miles per hour. And unfortunately, there will only be about 150 Remock neveras made. They uh, cost a cool 2 million plus dollars a piece. So odds are none of us will ever even see one, let alone see one blast off at a drag strip or a track. But uh, anyway, back to the plaid. Now, obviously, if you mod the car to bypass the speed limiter, you're almost certainly throwing your warranty out the window. But that being said, well, the, the people that did this obviously knew that. 217 miles per hour is really, really cool. That a a, a Tesla, a, just a, a, a car you can just go, go into a dealership and buy... Uh, An electric car, nevertheless, can do that. I mean, because that that is, that's supercar territory, which, I mean, I guess the Plaid S is a supercar in terms of straight-line performance. It is, the Plaid S is, the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing, uh, which is just so cool. Now, if the new Roadster, whenever that comes around, assuming that car is lighter, because it'll be smaller, and probably made out of carbon fiber- uh, if it's got a fourth motor, which I again have bet lunch with myself <laughs> and anybody else willing to take the bet, that it will, because the Cybertruck's going to have four motors, and it's got a, and if the Roadster also has a bigger battery pack and a next generation drivetrain beyond what the Plaid Model S has now, the Roadster's going to be nuts. Now remember that Elon promised 250 plus miles per hour for the roadster way back at the roadster unveiling in November of 2017 the final car i have no doubt is going to lean pretty hard into the plus side of that 250 miles per hour plus even if very few people will ever have the chance to safely see that speed readout on their instrument cluster i mean you really would have to go to a a an airport runway like this in order to have a surface that's long enough and that's properly prepped and properly cared for and maintained, and it's a closed track, it's obviously not a public street, that there'll be very, very specific conditions under which you can do it, but it's gonna be fun to see what the Roadster does, because you know that like Tesla's gonna partner up with Jay Leno or somebody to take the Roadster out to a to an airstrip and do this exact thing. and it's, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, next up this week, a number of you have called into the Ride the Lightning hotline over the years with a specific feature request that is a, a really excellent idea and that would be wonderful to have. And that idea being to have the autopilot vision cameras detect potholes and have the car avoid them. Well... I am pleased to tell you that we are one step closer to that becoming a reality this week. We're not totally there, but take a listen to this. This story comes via Engadget.com, and I want to say a thank you to listener Sean Bloom for giving me the heads up on this one via email, and also a tip of the cap to Electrek, who originally reported this, but Engadget, which is where I saw it, wrote, Tesla has introduced a software update that allows its vehicles to scan for potholes broken pavement, and other defects. It can then use that to generate rough roadmap data and trigger the adaptive suspension in supported vehicles to adjust the ride height for more comfort. Back in 2020 Elon Musk tweeted that such a feature was coming and this appears to be the first step, quote, this adjustment may occur at various locations subject to availability as the vehicle downloads rough roadmap data generated by Tesla cars, according to the release notes. So that means, as Engadget continues, pothole and other data should become increasingly refined as Tesla vehicles ply the roads. The ride adjustment will only work in Tesla Model S and Model X cars with adaptive suspensions. To enable the feature, you'll need the latest update, 2022.20, and then you tap Controls, suspension, adaptive suspension damping, and select the comfort or auto setting, Tesla notes, adding that, quote, the instrument cluster will continue to indicate when the suspension is raised for comfort, end quote. Tesla isn't the first automaker to think up pothole scanning technology. Some manufacturers, like Ford, have proposed features that even detect individual potholes and instantly damp the suspension, for example. Tesla's system could be far more practical, though, by simply softening the ride parameters over known rough p- known patches of rough road. Thank you, Engadget. Well, no confirmation yet as to whether the new Model S and Model X are gonna be the only S and X with this, with their latest generation of the adaptive air suspension, or if older generation S's and X's can get in on the pothole softening fun as well. I believe every single Model X ever made has the adaptive air suspension, but there are for sure some Model S's out there that don't have it. They're, Tesla, for a while, did offer it as a choice, as an option on the S before it eventually became standard. But yes, every every Model X does have it. It's just a question of, again, is is it going to extend back to the classic S's and X's or just the new ones with the latest and greatest version of that suspension system. And really, uh, there's one more vehicle. We'll be able to add the Cybertruck to this list next year when that vehicle goes into production, since we know that the Cybertruck has an adaptive air suspension as well. But boy, what a great use of technology this is, isn't it? I mean, if you grew up watching the Jetsons as I did, think about what your eight-year-old self would have thought if they were told about this feature. I mean, it would have been one step below flying cars, true, but still pretty cool. So let's hope the next step is indeed maneuvering around those potholes when it's safe to do so as well. And that way, if Teslas can be taught that with their autopilot cameras, that way the Model 3 and Model Y can get in on the fun on this as well that's my open letter to Tesla. Sincerely, I'm signing off. Signed, a Model 3 owner who once blew out two tires on the same horrific pothole. Thank you, Tesla, in advance. (laughs) Next up this week, the White House, of all sources, has released a fact sheet giving an update on when we can expect Tesla superchargers to open up to non-Tesla EVs here in the United States. The report reads as follows regarding Tesla. Tesla is making investments at its Gigafactory in Buffalo, New York to support the deployment of new fast charging stations to add to its fast charging network. More than 1600 employees work at Giga New York producing the Tesla solar roof and supercharger stations, which are capable of charging vehicles up to 250 kilowatts. Tesla is expanding production capacity of power electronics components that convert alternating current to direct current, charging cabinets, posts, and cables. Later this year, Tesla will begin production of new supercharger equipment that will enable non-Tesla EV drivers in North America to use Tesla superchargers." Well, I saw this reported in some places this week, saying, oh, that the superchargers are gonna open up to non-Teslas this year. That is not necessarily the case. The White House clearly says there that the production of new equipment needed to enable other cars to use the superchargers, which probably means adapters to go from J1772 or CCS to the Tesla plug, that those will will start getting made later this year. Is it possible that other EVs Might be able to get in on supercharging action before the end of this year? Yes, that is definitely possible. But it might not actually open up to users until sometime next year while these adapters go into production at Giga New York and then get distributed and sold. But still, this is happening. This is happening. And I guess we're going to find out what effect this has on supercharger congestion, whether we like it or not. As Tesla owners. Uh, Next this week, yes, I'm still not done here. In more forward-looking news, Elon Musk took to Twitter this week, unprompted, to wonder about a potential new vehicle for the Tesla product roadmap. He posted, quote, maybe Tesla should make a highly configurable robo-van for people and cargo. And then he later added, Super fired up for future product development with our awesome Tesla team. Such an honor to work with them. Well, this caused a lot of uh, the results on Twitter as follows. Can you please build the Cybertruck first? That was what a lot of the replies consisted of. But, you know, let's take a closer look at this, even though, to be clear, it is by no means an official product announcement by any stretch. Although... You know, what this is to me, it's more of a remix from the secret master plan part 2 that was posted on July 20th, 2016, almost exactly six years ago when Elon wrote, quote, in addition to consumer vehicles, there are two other types of electric vehicle needed, heavy duty trucks and high passenger density urban transport. Both are in the early stages of development of Tesla and should be ready for unveiling next year. Well, obviously the Cybertruck took another couple years after that because the Model 3 production ramp proved to be such a challenging situation and they had to go all hands on deck for that. But uh, the Cybertruck did come along and now what he's describing is basically what he's describing this week, I mean, right now on Twitter, basically is that high passenger, that high passenger density urban transport vehicle. But before you get any, uh, any worries that your Cybertruck is going to get pushed back even farther, the key word in Elon's tweet this week is robo. The robo in robovan. In other words, to complement robo-taxi. Uh, And so this product, if it happens, would almost certainly come after the initial robo-taxi. And as I've talked about before, Tesla will, by necessity, have to break into a lot of new vehicle categories in order to reach their stated goal of making 20 million cars per year by the end of the decade. But the short-term reality is that Tesla's dance card is gonna be full for quite some time. It has already been full for quite some time and it's still gonna be full for quite a while. The Cybertruck, we continue to wait for that. That's due to hit the streets in one year's time from right now. The Tesla Semi, while admittedly not a consumer vehicle, but there are billion dollar companies with millions of dollars worth of orders for those semi trucks some of whom have had those orders in for the better part of five years now. So that program has to get off the ground next year with 4680 battery cells. The Roadster, okay, that's a low volume effort, but it will still require resources to get into production. That car might sneak in at the tail end of next year, or perhaps maybe it's gonna push to early 2024. And then there's the aforementioned Tesla Bot, whose FSD-based AI will need to be completed before not just the Optimus can be produced and sold, but also before the RoboTaxi and then this theoretical RoboVan can go into production and hit the streets as well. And while, yes, we see progress being made on the FSD front via the FSD beta that a lot of us are participating in, RoboTaxi and RoboVan will not happen until not only Autopilot Hardware 4 is out, and the Autopilot engineers have fully wrapped their heads around Hardware 4, but also we have to wait until U.S. regulators, AKA NHTSA, have signed off on these robo, you know, these automatic vehicles that have no steering wheel or pedals as well. Point being on this, While it's fun to hear Elon wonder aloud about future Tesla products, a robo van realistically is still years away from ever happening, if indeed it happens at all. And Tesla has one, two, three significant vehicle programs that it has to launch first, two of which were announced five years ago, uh, coming up on five years ago, and the third of which is coming up on three years since its announcement. So it will take some time for Tesla to catch up to its own ambitions on this. But the cool part is just watching them do that, watching them get caught up by thus producing the Cybertruck, Semi, and Roadster is gonna be really, really fun. And it's what I enjoy the most about this podcast is following along as these products go from paper to prototype to hitting the actual streets as products you can buy. I love that. I love that. We have not had the good fortune of watching that happen since early 2020 and then a pandemic got in the way of that. So 2023 is going to be the year when we start seeing some new Tesla vehicle launches and it's going to be fun. Hey, real quick, while I'm still on this topic, the Patreon poll that I put up this past week asked the following question in regards to this news story. I asked my Patreon backers, would you buy a robo-taxi or robo-van? So we don't know if regular customers like us are gonna be able to buy them for personal use or if Tesla is gonna just own and control all of them in the Tesla rideshare network. But I asked my, my Patreon backers, if you did have the option to buy a robo-taxi or robo-van complete with no steering wheel, no pedals, would you want one? And just, uh, this is assuming it would be at a price you're willing to pay. I'm not going to put a number on it, but just at a price you're willing to pay. 46% of respondents, and there was a bit over 100 people that responded. So 46% of those who voted in the Patreon poll said, yes, yes as a commuter slash family vehicle, but I'd still wanna keep my Tesla or other car as a weekend toy where I do the driving myself. 38% of respondents said, no, I enjoy driving and don't wanna give it up. And 16% of you said, yes, I am ready to never drive again. I'd love to use the driving time to watch TV, play games, or get work done. So thank you to everybody who voted in that. I will have another Patreon poll going up sometime this week. And before I move on though, to the Ride the Lightning hotline, and there is plenty uh, to get to there, a lot of your excellent phone calls as usual. I, You guys know, I don't like ending the news block on a downer, but you have to hear this. This is the craziest story, uh, which unfortunately uh, one of our my own Ride the Lightning listeners was a victim of. So. I wanted to stop and share this and just show some love for Cody in Tennessee, who's a longtime listener, by the way. Cody had what can generously be described as an incredibly messed up thing happen to his car, and it happened in broad daylight, no less. It is so bizarre that it made the local news. So take a listen to the report from ABC affiliate WATE. Today, Knoxville police are investigating what was
1: described as some sort of firework explosion under a Tesla. This video is from Cody Farmer, the owner of the Tesla. Police say the incident happened in the 900 block of Luttrell Street, right around 1245 this afternoon. Farmer says he heard a boom while he was at home. He thinks this was no accident and says this has been unsettling.
2: As you saw in the video, it was a, a significant explosive device. I don't believe that it was a firework. The damage that was done, the sound of it, the impact on the house, it appeared to be an improvised explosive device that someone had put together. I've never shot fireworks up like my whole life. I grew up in Loudoun County in the country. I've shot fireworks yesterday there, and um, I've never heard anything like I heard with this firework, and I was inside.
1: These are some of the photos of the damage Farmer says was done by the explosion. He tells us he will be taking it to the shop to see the extent of that damage. And then also take a look here for a moment. These are photos of the Ford Ranger that police are now looking for tonight in connection to this incident. If you have any information, maybe you recognize the vehicle, call East Tennessee Valley Crime Stoppers. The number is on your screen. It is 865-215-7165.
0: That is one of the most messed up things I've ever heard with regard to Tesla vandalism, or really vandalism of any kind of car. Cody, on behalf of the entire Ride the Lightning community, I hope your car is okay, and I hope the perpetrators are located and held accountable for their actions by authorities. I can't imagine what would even motivate the most anti-Tesla person to try and actually destroy another person's property like this. If indeed it was the Tesla that was specifically targeted, which as you heard in the report, Cody, or actually maybe it was just in Cody's email to me, but regardless, Cody did tell me, he he thinks he was targeted. He doesn't think it was just a random, you know, that it happened to be his car that this this firework or worse device was tossed underneath. But Cody, please keep me and the audience updated on... The extent of the damage that Tesla finds when they inspect the car, uh, and and hopefully you're gonna get it and just the outcome here, what the outcome ends up being with the police. And for everybody else out there, a reminder to please keep sentry mode running whenever you can if the car is out in public, even if it's close to home. I'm I Cody, I already emailed him this. He knows I'm not trying to pick on him, so I hope this doesn't come across that way, but you know, the car was just Just it was on the street, it was right in front of his house, but it was on the street. So, is you know, he had exclude home checked on his sentry mode, which a lot of us do. But if the car is going to be in public in any way, shape, or form, I just humbly encourage everyone to keep sentry mode running, even if the car is close to home. It won't necessarily stop someone from messing with your car, but it has absolutely proven in the past to help identify and hold perpetrators accountable. Because usually, if somebody comes by, either the backup camera, the forward-facing camera, or one of the repeater cameras is gonna be able to grab that license plate, which can help, of course, help the authorities out on this. So Cody, uh, I wish you the best. Keep in touch. And hopefully this is gonna turn out okay for you. All right, that is everything I've got in the world of Tesla news for this week. But stick with me. I've got plenty of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls coming up right after this. Welcome back, it's time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be a part of the podcast. If you've got a Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic, drop me a line. There are two easy ways that you can do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same call and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning Hotline itself. It's a toll-free number that you can dial anytime, 24-7-1-888. Nine eight nine eight seven five two. 8752 that's one tsla and if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted, or you can put them onto a keepsake. If you'd like to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Kicking us off is Ken in Salt Lake City. Hey,
1: Ryan, Ken Rasmussen, uh, Model Y Performance owner in Salt Lake City. Uh, just had to call and give you kudos. I'm sure you'll get flooded with this, but uh, I literally listened to your most recent podcast uh, when you predicted the enhanced autopilot coming back at a $6,000 price. Um, I woke up today, Friday, to discover that, indeed, Tesla has done exactly that, Um It's tempting. This is our third Tesla. Uh, We purchased full self-driving on the first two cars and sold them both. And uh, most recently purchased the Model Y about a month ago and did not purchase the $12,000 full self-driving. So um, it's tempting. We'll see. Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the show as always. Take care. Bye.
0: Thanks, Ken. Well, I wish I could take more credit, but it seemed like a layup to me that if Tesla was going to bring Enhanced Autopilot back, and I am really glad they did, that it would be about half the price of FSD. I mean, I paid $5,000 for Enhanced Autopilot four years ago, so I didn't think there'd be any way it would come back after all this time and be that same price, let alone less, and thus... $6,000 felt right to me, and Tesla clearly agreed. Hopefully, an investor asks about the take rate of enhanced autopilot on the next quarterly earnings call coming up, as I said, in just two weeks from now, so that if that happens and if we get a good answer to that, we can get some kind of data point or at least some kind of comment from Elon on this topic. Next up, Bill from Switzerland.
2: Hi, Ryan. This is Bill from Switzerland. After your discussion with my fellow countryman Lucas from last week, I just wanted to quickly chime in to give you an idea of how profound of an impact Tesla has made here in Switzerland and how it changed perception towards an American made car. Now, I got my model last in 2015. My wife followed with her model three in 2019. If anyone had asked me before that time if I ever wanted to get an American car, I would have said, hell no. I was driving an Audi and other German cars before, and American cars were widely seen as inferior tech with an inferior fit and finish. But the overall package of Tesla, the electric propulsion, the range, the environmental aspect, and not least the supercharger infrastructure, have convinced me to overlook some shortcomings with regards to the fin finish and pull the trigger on my Model S. And I'm still enjoying my car every single time I drive around in it. And it's not just me that got converted to EVs by Tesla. In 2021, last year that Model 3 was the number one of all cars sold in Switzerland. And with the Model Y now being built in Berlin, once they will have ramped up the production, I'm sure that Tesla will continue To expand their success, not only in Switzerland, but throughout the whole of Europe. Thanks for the great podcast, Ryan. Keep up the good work. Cheers. I appreciate
0: you sharing your perspective, Bill. Thank you. Uh, I am very glad to hear that your Teslas have brought you such joy. And by the way, since you have called in, it's come out that not only was the Model 3 the number one new car sold in Switzerland last year, but so far this year, through the first half of the year, The three and the Y are the number one and number two selling new cars in Switzerland thus far in 2022 as well, which is super awesome. Uh, Getting back to your call, great point on the supercharger network being such a big part of Tesla's appeal and their competitive advantage there. So happy electric motoring and I hope to visit your amazing country someday. Switzerland is very high on my bucket list. I mean, between you and Lucas, who I'd met up with, and Pitt, who I'd met up with when he came out here, it is good to know that I would have some friendly faces to meet up with if I ever can make my way over to Switzerland. Next up, Dimitri from Ellicott City,
3: Maryland. Hey Ryan, my name is Dimitri from Ellicott City, Maryland. i been an avid longtime listener follower Um, Love everything that you do and appreciate what you do for the uh, community. Finally got my uh, Tesla Model Y performance. Uh, I've been eagerly waiting, anticipating for about six months. And um, just uh, wanted to offer a few pieces of information that while I was waiting for my Model Y, I really couldn't get any information whether Teslas were being shipped with the air pumps that historically they did use to ship with all their cars. At some point, there was some internet chatter that Tesla stopped shipping those air pumps and even to the point where you can buy them at the online store anymore like you can uh, previously and uh, if I'm not mistaken to this day you still can't get the air pump on Tesla's website. Anyhow I actually budgeted and almost purchased an air pump on Amazon just to prepare myself as my you know emergency kit because I do drive a lot didn't want to be stranded. Uh, to my pleasant surprise, when I came to pick up the car, I had the air pump in a box in the lower trunk of uh, my car. So I asked my SA about it, uh, sales associate. He said that uh, Maryland uh, had a law where it required that all vehicles come with air pumps. So according to him, um, all Teslas delivered in Maryland... ...do get the air pumps, um, which is a pleasant surprise, and hopefully this will help some people uh, waiting for their Teslas and uh, not having to spend extra money on these air pumps. Anyways, uh, just something to think about. Uh, thank you. Thanks for everything that you do, and uh, uh, please continue uh, with your wonderful podcast. Take, talk to you later.
0: Dimitri, thank you for your call. First up here, I did not know that Maryland had that law. You have taught me something new today which I always appreciate because I have to confess, I was listening to your call a bit puzzled at first because I've never been aware of anyone getting a tire repair kit included with their car, but a state specific law does make sense. So I'd like to say good job, Maryland. I like that law. And second, regarding your tires, your frustration there is perfectly reasonable and understandable. Given that you do get winter weather, you are, as you were already preparing for, going to need all-season tires. So you are within your rights to be frustrated that you are now going to have to spend, what, $1,500 or whatever it's going to be to get all-season tires when some other Maryland owners taking delivery of those performance-wise that you saw with the all-seasons won't have to spend anything. I mean, I suppose you could sell the summer tires to somebody else in the community, perhaps either through your local Tesla club or the TMC forums, the regional TMC forums, and that could help recoup some of the cost of the all seasons that you'll be buying. No matter what you do though, congratulations on that new Performance Model Y. I trust you will find that it was worth the wait. One more caller this week, it's from Quinn in Ohio. Hey, Ryan, it is Quinn from Ohio calling again. What is popping to
1: you and all of our Tesla podcast friends? Hey, I just wanted to share an experience that my wife and I just encountered. Uh, we're very fortunate in the sense that we were just able to buy our second Tesla, which is the long-range all-wheel drive Model Y. For those of you with a Model 3 that might find it a little bit small and a little bit uncomfortable in the back seat for road tripping... The model y has you covered no issues there and the new suspension for 2022 is you wouldn't call it a soft suspension but it's much better than a 2019 model 3 that we're comparing it to but at any rate love both of the cars but not the reason for the call here is the reason for the call so we had our mobile connector plugged into an outlet in our ceiling that my garage door opener is plugged into as well and for about a week now uh, i've been noticing every once in a while The car that's uh, using, drawing from that outlet will stop charging, and then I'll go out to the car, and there'll be the red T next to the charge port, and I'll look up at the mobile charger, and it'll be flashing red a couple of times on the T. The green lights aren't streaming. So here's a little bit of a learning for everyone. First of all, there's an owner's manual for that mobile connector, just like there is your car. So please feel free to look that thing up, download the PDF, use it if you need to because depending on the electrical situation that you're into, it'll flash differently and it'll, the the different flashes basically equal the code for you in terms of what's wrong. So in my case, it said that I didn't have ground, but intermittently I would be able to charge from this outlet. And then intermittently it would flash this code that would tell me there was no ground. So I thought, huh, maybe I have a loose connection where my ground wire ties into that outlet. So I go downstairs into my uh, utility room, I flip off my breaker panel, I come out, I take the outlet apart, take it out of the ceiling, and sure enough, the ground wire was very loose on that outlet. I never would have known it. The garage door opener was working just fine, but obviously that's a little bit of a fire issue, a little bit of a safety issue for the home. So here's Tesla not only making your cars much safer than they need to be, but also doing the same thing for your house. So thank you, Tesla. I've now fixed the outlet. Took me about five minutes. Fire hazard gone. Ground has been restored. Very, very happy. Thank you, Tesla. Thank you, Ryan, for the podcast. Have a nice day, everyone. Bye.
0: Quinn, thank you for the call and for sharing that story. Yes, everything with Tesla is safety first, not just the cars, but the charging equipment as well. And you love to see that. I'm glad to hear that the mobile connector did help identify a potential problem spot for you. And hey, now you can charge with more peace of mind and definitely a good PSA for others as well, which is one reason I'm happy to play your call. So thank you again for sending that in. Thank you to everyone that took the time to call in. I promise I will get to some more callers next week. So keep your calls coming. If you heard something uh, earlier on the podcast that I was talking about that you wanted to react to or just a general question you've got, that's popped into your head or want to respond to another caller, feel free to dial in anytime. I gave you the two easy call-in methods at the top of this segment. But there is more Ride the Lightning around the corner. Stick with me right after this short little musical break. I've got your pro tip of the week and a bit more coming up right after this.
4: This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out.
0: Not too much going on with me or my car this week, but you know, the thought did occur to me today. I know a lot of you are new to the full self-driving beta program. And I was just thinking, you know, it's been a while since the last FSD beta software update. I know we're expecting some big under the hood changes coming up in this next build, so, I wonder how much longer it'll be. For quite a while there, the autopilot team was on a really pretty con- pretty consistent two week base, two week cycle. So every two weeks there'd be a new build pushed out. It has already been a good bit longer than that. I'd have to go back and look it up. It feels like it's been about a month or so. So I wonder how much longer it's gonna be. I mean, you can't rush it. It is what it is. It's software development. It's really difficult. But uh, I'm not sure we've ever gone this long between updates in the program before. So we'll have to see how much longer it's going to be. Hey, real quick, how about an entertainment recommendation for you? This is a new video game, and it is excellent. It is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. It's available on all consoles, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch. If you are on Xbox, it's right there on Xbox Game Pass. So it's just part of your subscription. You can download it. That's how I played it. It is a flawlessly executed nostalgia piece. Like it it basically, it is designed both visually and gameplay wise as if it were made in the same era as the classic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game from the late 80s. So, it, I mean, it's not a direct sequel to that, but it's made in that exact vein It's up to not just four, but six player co-op because you can get April O'Neil in there, Casey Jones, plus the four turtles. Uh, It is awesome. I mean, for what it sets out to do, it just nails it. Uh, The the soundtrack is great. They got the original voice actors from the cartoon back in the 80s to voice the turtles. I mean, there's not a lot of dialogue, but oh, my goodness, they did such a great job. I played it with my 11-year-old daughter. Who you know, of course, has no ties to the original cartoon and the, let alone the original game, and so she was just playing it as a game. And and uh, you know, she chose Michelangelo. I've always been a Leonardo guy myself, and we went through the whole game. It's not super long. There's there's a decent bit of replayability. Not not you know huge, but there's some reason to go back. But boy, it, the the developers really did a phenomenal job on it. So I can't recommend it enough, particularly. If, like me, you have fond memories of the old uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, either arcade game and or the Nintendo version for the original Nintendo. I remember that was, that was a big Christmas for me one year when that was under the tree. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, which was a port, a Nintendo port of the arcade game. Oh, that was, that was everything to me at that point in time. Anyway, check that out. Shredder's Revenge. Pro tip of the week time as we pivot back to Tesla. Here's one from Kirk in Charlotte. Hi, Ryan. This
4: is Kirk in Charlotte. I'm calling with a pro tip of the week. I just had new tires put on my car and was trying to think of a way to keep track of uh, the 5,000-mile recommended time for rotating the tires. And I went into my trip odometer, which is under the trip's tab on the main screen and the default options are trip A and trip B but I noticed that those are editable and so I edited trip A to read rotate tires at 5,000 miles and then I reset it to zero and now all I need to do is periodically peek back at that tripodometer and see uh, how close I am to 5,000 miles or if I'm over and then I know to get my tires rotated and I can reset it back to zero Anyway, I thought it was very interesting that the uh, trip names are editable so you can make them what you like, whether it's tire rotation or maybe something else. I hope you and the Tesla family find that interesting. Thank you for the great podcast and keep up the great work.
0: Kirk, this is an excellent pro tip. I never use my trip meters except for the first time I drove my car from San Francisco to Phoenix. I wanted to see what my efficiency was. So I did know that you could edit the names of them, but truth be told, I pretty well forgot the trip meters were even there, especially now they're they're not on the cards anymore. You know, with the the new V11 UI, it's all been, that's one of many things that got buried. So this is a great use for one of those. Thank you very much. Once I replace my tires, which is bound to be later this year at my current pace, I'm gonna do this. Thank you very much for this one, Kirk, and I expect uh, you have inspired others to do the same. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, something that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, please call in. I would love to hear from you. Just call in the same way that you call in for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, and I will get the call and uh, throw you in the queue for these excellent pro tips of the week that I run here towards the end of the show each and every week. Before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast. I will start with abstractocean.com, purveyors of many, many, many fine aftermarket accessories for all four Teslas currently in production. Whether you want to get interior lighting kits, like the uh, rear footwell lighting kit is one of their newer products, which I highly recommend for you Model Y owners because your seats are up on the risers, so that, that rear footwell lighting kit really Uh, really classes up the car even a little bit more when you're sitting in the second row. They have the drop-in cup holder stabilizer. They've got center console wraps, for those of you like me with the older center console style. Uh, They've got, uh, again, a bunch of different lighting solutions for both the inside and outside of the car. Just take a look at everything. Check it all out, abstractocean.com. And when, you know, throw everything you like into the cart because there is a first-time Discount for first-time orders, 15%. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Again, that coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, at abstractocean.com. Next up, the Snap Plate, which you can get at everyamp.com slash RTL. The front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds, but when it's on, it is secure, but you can take it off if you want for cleaning the car, detailing the car, going to, you know, cars and coffee car show, put it back on if you're gonna be parked at a parking meter where a meter maid might get you, etc., etc. This front license plate bracket, it is nice and minimalist. Uh, it blends really nicely with the front end when it's installed and it leaves no unsightly hardware behind when it's removed. So, make those fix-it tickets go away for those of you like me who hate having to use a front license plate. Again, get yours at everyamp.com/rtl for any of the 4 cars S3X or Y. How about for your house? Budgetsafesolar.com. Every Tesla owner has generally has a pretty good idea, if not the exact knowledge of how much the electricity for their Tesla costs. But we all have that information based on today's electric grid rates. None of us really know how much these rates are gonna go up in the next five, 10 plus years, except people with solar, because they know it's gonna be free. If you have thought about getting solar installed at your home or office, I encourage you to contact friend of the show, Budget Safe Solar, There's a very kind listener who uh, is involved with that company, runs that company and a number of you actually have signed up already, which is cool to see, budgetsafesolar.com. I mean, again, yes, you're gonna call Tesla, get a quote from them, you absolutely should, but check in with budgetsafesolar.com as well, get a quote from them too, and they're, you know, their thing is, they're like real estate brokers, but for solar, and that they're gonna work with you to find the right project, the right installer for your needs. Maybe that's gonna be Tesla, Maybe not, but can't hurt to give them a look. BudgetSafeSolar.com. Their motto is capping tomorrow's energy costs today. And by the way, if you've considered entering the growing field of solar, they'd like to talk to you about that as well. Learn more and or reach out to them at BudgetSafeSolar.com. And if you do move ahead with a solar project at your home or office, I humbly ask that you use my referral code, which is simply RTL. How about Immaculate Reflections? My friend, Jeff McGovern, the owner and proprietor there at Immaculate Reflections has taken such amazing care of my car anytime it's been there. You know, the the paint protection film has saved me numerous times. I love the ceramic coating because water just beads off when I clean it and it looks, it's kind of been difficult to make my car even really look dirty. It gets dirty, don't get me wrong, uh, but, making it actually visibly look dirty is pretty difficult. And the ceramic coating's a big part of that. So is the paint correction that Jeff did on my car when I first brought it to him, too, to remove any of those factory flaws that pretty much any manufacturer, the car's gonna leave the factory with some issues with the paint, you know, hopefully just minor ones. And certainly Tesla's guilty of that as well. Jeff got, we'll get rid of all that stuff for you and get your car looking better than when it, than when it came out of the factory so if any of those services appeal to you and you are in or going to be in the greater san francisco bay area get in touch with jeff at the immaculate reflections website which is ir com. mention that you are a ride the lightning listener and if you book work with jeff he'll have a nice little discount waiting for you which is very kind i appreciate him doing that for my audience that is sincerely appreciated Look him up on Yelp if you want. He's yelp.com slash Reflections. Instagram, his handle there is immaculate underscore reflections. And again, the website, irdetailing.com. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. Because micro SD is the better way to go for constant reading and writing, which is what this setup does in the Tesla, you know, you're constantly writing new video file, reading video file. Uh, the standard USB flash memory is a, is a ticking clock. The shelf life on that is not as long as, as you might want it to be, but the pure Tesla kit, which comes out of the package, ready to go, pre-formatted straight away. It's all set. They even ship free anywhere in the U.S., so get yours at puretesla.com RTL. They also sell a pretty nice little wireless game controller kit if you do a decent bit of gaming on the in-car games in your car, so you can check that out as an option as well. Same website, puretesla.com RTL. It's uh, 49 bucks, by the way. F- shipped free in the U.S. for that 128-gigabyte kit, which is what I highly recommend. Though you can step up and do 256 gigs if you like. That one is a $69 kit. And finally, uh, we've got Jada. Jada is the long-running peripheral maker. Their products all kind of focus around the center console of your Tesla. So for me, with an older Model 3, they make the wonderful wireless charging pad to give Qi wireless charging capability into the older Model 3s. They're up to version 4 of that wireless charging pad now. I'm running version 3, which looks and works great. Version 4 looks better and operates better. So that's, I mean, that's all you can buy. You just buy the latest and greatest from them. They've also got the Jada Tray, which is a tech-focused center console organizer that just drops in to the center console. And they have it for either center console style, my older one or the newer one that they have as well. And that's got... Integrated charging for wireless headphones like the AirPods or Pixel Buds. Can also charge your smartwatch on there too. It's pretty cool. I mean, no tools. It literally just drops in, fits perfectly. I'm a fan. They also have the Jada USB Hub, which has like it's kind of an all-in-one deal there. That's for the newer center console style. You can check it all out at getjada.com slash REF slash 8. I know that's a long, mildly annoying URL, but that's my referral link. I would humbly ask if you are going to order anything from them. Please use that link because in full disclosure, they will throw me a couple of bucks from the sale as a referral. If you do, in return for you using that mildly annoying URL, getjada.com slash REF slash eight, I offer you a discount, the coupon code RTL. So check that out. Uh, finally... If you are not already subscribing to the podcast, that is something you can do totally for free, and it just means the show will push out to you every Sunday when it comes out at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and you don't have to remember, oh, yeah, have I, wait, have I downloaded the new Ride of Line? It'll just send it out to you. It couldn't be easier. And you can subscribe to me on any of the major podcast platforms. Most of you seem to do that on Apple Podcasts, but I'm also on Google Podcasts. I'm on Stitcher, I'm on TuneIn, and Spotify, and I'm even on YouTube, but just audio only. There's no, I don't do any video. But if you do want to listen via YouTube, because that's more convenient for you, go for it. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube, and you should find my channel pretty easily there. Uh, I mentioned my email address earlier, which you can send your phone calls to, but if you just want to email me as well, the email address is... Tesla podcast at gmail.com. Social media on um, Twitter and Instagram, same handle both places, DMC underscore Ryan for my DeLorean days, which will always be a part of me even if I no longer own my DeLorean. Uh, and then finally, the Patreon I mentioned it at the top, the weekly bonus mini episodes that are coming your way now if you're at the ludicrous tier or higher, that's the $10 a month tier. The tiers start with the sport tier. That's just five bucks a month. Is, all, is the You can support the show for just five bucks a month. And at that tier, you do get the show early every single week. You get it a day early. It'll be there right when you wake up on Saturday morning instead of having to wait till Sunday morning. So if you see fit at some point, maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's next payday. And you want to support my efforts here with the podcast because... As you know, you know, I've got the receipts. I'm here every single week. I take a lot of pride in that. I think it's important to be here for you, if, uh, especially if I'm going to ask you for your, sup- your financial support on Patreon. I got to do my part, which is to be reliable, which I have, I have uh, been. And so perhaps at some point, I humbly ask, you might check out my Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And with that, let me say a thank you and a hello to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space to your backers. Let me start with the Maximum Plaid group today, because there is a new member of that group. Thank you so much, Chris Pratt, for joining at the Maximum Plaid tier. Uh, I sent Chris a nice thank you note for his generous pledge, and he wrote back right away with some really kind words about the podcast which just made my day made me feel good so thank you Chris and thank you to the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew Jonathan Wales Cameron Clark Daniel Grummer Seth Capello Nick and Tony the Galpin family Ryan from Las Vegas Darren Nickel Kaz Barnes Ulrich Lassa Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski Gil Cabrera Hay Watley Eric Brown Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger Joe Edgel Kevin Yank the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Matt Asbury, we drive Tesla EV luxury car rental in Oahu and HaloBengals.com. The Roadster in Space tier backers who get every single perk that there is, including a monthly one-on-one hangout with me, should they elect to take it each month. Thank you very much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, uh, Scooter Ward. If you are out there, Scooter. I don't believe the email address I have for you is current. If you wouldn't mind emailing me, I wanted to check in with you on something. Neil, uh, excuse me, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Ayakaveto, Tesla Hitchhiker42, and Carol Weston. And finally, the Plaid-level supporters, the Plaid group is closed, but grandfathered in. A lot of these folks are such longtime backers at the Plaid tier. I want to thank George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack. Jamie Dalton, by the way, Jerome, congratulations on your big promotion that you emailed me about this week. That was awesome to hear. Love seeing the success. Uh, the Tesla owners East Bay club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla owners club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, ish, not Elon Musk, T Kirk Lowry, Peter and the bear boys of Colorado. And with that, We've got a snoring boxer to my left. She is out cold for the night here as uh, the evening gets quite late. That'll wrap it up for me. Uh, It's been another fun episode of Ride the Lightning. This was episode 362. Good stuff coming up. We've got the earnings call, of course, in two shows. I'm sure there will be plenty of fun stuff to talk about next week in the meantime. But for now, happy electric motoring, my friends and I will see you back here next week.
2: I mean, I think a Tesla...